Freedom Hut. The Libs have an insane post office meltdown. 9-11 tribute in light is canceled here in New York City. A guilty plea finally in Russiagate. And Philly wants you to turn in your guns for your safety. This, this is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small Make no mistake. America, great. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, everybody, to the Buck Sexton Show. Thank you so much for being here. I missed you all on Friday. I'm sorry I had to be gone for a day, but it is very good to be back. And now here I am. Here I am, ready to tell you about all the things happening. Ooh, I'm excited that this election season is now fully upon us because we got to get through this thing. We got to get Donald Trump reelected. We have to move on to the next four years. Um, and and um, I'd rather, you know, that that feeling you get before the big game or before, you know, that the onslaught from the other side is coming and you just want to get it going. I feel like we're in it now. Finally, it feels like we're really in the midst of a uh, of an election. Up to this point, there's been such a focus on these externalities or these other issues. But now every day it's clear we have the ticket for the Democrats. The DNC is happening this week because who's going to really care about that? It's a worthwhile question, I think. Oh, a, virtu- a virtual DNC. Ooh. But the biggest issue right now, the biggest political fight, the back and forth, other than the usual things, which we'll get into today, COVID response and law and order, the lawlessness that Democrats have embraced. Biggest thing I have for you today is on the post office. That's right. Former employer of Newman from the Seinfeld show. And the post office is not something you would usually think is at the center of a major election debate. But it is because, well, the libs have completely lost their minds. They are in a panic about this. They are freaking out because they say the president is trying to defund the USPS, the United States Postal Service, that this is actually happening right now. And this is this is underway And over the weekend, as I was down in in North Carolina, I would check in on Twitter occasionally, see what was going on. It was very apparent that they would see that that liberals out there would see things and immediately like the boogeyman of Trump was appearing from inside the post office box. There were claims that post post office boxes were being removed as part of this Trump plot. And these things were going viral. There were claims that uh, that there were locks on post office boxes as part of this plan, as part of this plot. And sure enough, it's all complete nonsense. But the fight is not over. Here's what we need to know about this. Uh, Oh, oh, and before I get into the, the rundown of what's really happening, they even had a protest outside of the postmaster general's home. Because that's a really constructive way to have your voice heard if you're a complete psychopath. Uh, They they decided that they were going to gather together and try to frighten him. Uh, DeJoy is the man who runs, who is the postmaster general. They they wanted to get together and and terrify him. That's somehow going to advance their cause about how we need the postal service. So here's what's really going on. 
Okay, the, the conspiracy theory stuff, let's dispense with that first. There were, there were some photos shown of, of uh, USPS, you know, those blue mailboxes that we all know being picked up and moved. That's not unusual. The, that was, that's just consolidating and making sure that they're trying, to be, they're trying to be more efficient. This is a big part of this. I'll get into it. Um, the locking the post office boxes. I mean, some of these are actually security measures so that people can't uh, do this form of phishing where they'll actually steal stuff out of the post office boxes by going through the little envelope slot. Uh, but none of this had anything to do with Donald Trump or even the fight over funding. So this was just all paranoia, but it's really out there. I mean, Taylor Swift, that's right, the, the famous pop star, to her, I don't know, 100 million Twitter followers. She has an enormous Twitter following. She tweeted out, Trump's calculated dismantling of USPS proves one thing clearly. He is well aware that we do not want him as our president. He's chosen to blatantly cheat and put millions of Americans' lives at risk in an effort to hold on to power. Now, you might say, Buck, why are you even giving a, a second thought to Taylor Swift's thoughts on election cheating and tampering and the United States Postal Service? And I'll just tell you, uh, unfortunately, there's no uh, th- there's no special status. There's nothing in pop stars that doesn't allow them to influence the opinion of their enormous, their legions of ignorant fans. So Taylor Swift says this and you would say, well, Buck, obviously, what, what does she know? The answer is like nothing other than, you know, how to hit that high C and dance around and write some songs. Uh, well, that, well, that's all true. The truth for the electorate is that she still carries a lot of sway. And there'll be people that will read people will read that and they'll say, oh, my gosh, Trump is trying to steal, steal the election uh, by destroying the USPS. As if he's able to do this so rapidly, as if this is some some plan. Oh, we have uh, we have Representative Maxine Waters also said this was on Twitter. We're all hearing from seniors. They need their medicine, their groceries. They need their disability and Social Security checks. Why are you harming us by slowing down the mail system and destroying the USPS? Don't you understand how important the system is? Right. We're all supposed to be so upset over this. Well, here's the problem, Maxine Waters. For one, Social Security checks don't get sent in the mail anymore. I would hope that a member of Congress would know that, but I, I hope for too much. Here's what's really happening. All right, at, at, the, at the very top level, at the 30,000-foot view, Democrats, Democrats are pushing for a massive change in the way that uh, ballots will be cast this election. Let me, And this is the... Our, our media class, because our Bolsheviks are journalists and they are incredibly ignorant and they don't care to know what they don't know. They just know that they've got talking points. They've got propaganda that they want to spew. And our media class is out there now insisting that there is no difference between absentee ballots and universal mail-in ballots. This is now there are some variations state to state and but in general terms, you have to apply for you have to you have to request an absentee ballot. So an actual human being has to make a request for an absentee ballot. There are chain of custody controls over that ballot. And 
there's an entirely different procedure for it that's in place and has been in place for a long time. I voted absentee in uh, the 2008 election because I was overseas, I believe. Yeah, I, I was. I, yeah, I was overseas um, in Iraq, I think, at the time. So that's something that we, that people do. And that's that's well established. What Democrats are demanding is that everybody will just get ballots sent out to anybody who's on the voter rolls. So you don't have to request it. They're going to send out. So there's going to be live ballots everywhere, all over the place. Going to be live ballots just getting sent out. And there's no chain of custody. No one knows who is getting it or that they still live there. What state are they in? This is an astonishing, an astonishing open door for fraud, which is why the Democrats want it in the first place. And President Trump addressed this with universal mail-in voting. Play 17. As you know, the Democrats aren't approving the proper funding for postal, and they're not approving the proper funding for this ridiculous thing that they want to do, which is all mail-in voting, if universal, you could call it mail-in voting. Again, absentee voting is great. You request, I'm an absentee voter because I requested, I got, and then I sent in my vote. So that works out very well. That's what we've had. But now they want to send in millions and millions of ballots and you see what's happening. They're being lost. They're being discarded. They're finding them in piles. It's going to be a catastrophe. So, and this is beyond the post office. But Louis DeJoy is, is working very hard. The post office has for decades lost billions and billions of dollars. I read numbers today that are unthinkable. And what they want to do now is hit the post office with millions of ballots from certain states. And if you look at what happened in New York and Virginia and various other places, it's a catastrophe. They're losing 20 percent of the votes. Nobody knows what's happened. They are losing a lot of ballots. We've had delays over a month of delays in a New York congressional race because of all the mail in balloting. There are preparations that have to be taken for this. There are procedures that have to be put in place and there is time needed to do all of that. We we don't have that. Democrats are making this demand. And as I've said to you, and I really do believe this, if they did get universal mail in balloting and they lost, they would claim that universal mail in balloting that they had demanded was the reason they lost, that there was cheating, there was fraud, Russia, whatever. It doesn't you have to you have to keep in mind. It doesn't have to make sense. Their arguments don't make sense. It's emotion. It's shouting. It's the mob. It doesn't matter. If they can get away with it, if it works, they'll say it. What's really going on with the post office? What's really happening there? Turns out, and this is a shock, I'm sure, to none of you. It turns out that the post office is losing billions and billions of dollars. In fact, since 2007... USPS has lost $78 billion, and its usefulness is way down. We are entering an era of Amazon and Zoom and everything virtual, and they still have some postal routes where they're delivering mail down into the Grand Canyon by donkey, and where people will sometimes, employees of whom there are uh, 600,000, thousand usps employees across the country but in some instances they will travel almost 200 miles a day to hit a couple of hundred mailboxes this is highly highly inefficient 
They constantly complain now they've had to prepay some of their health benefits for the USPS. They claim that's the problem. This was a reform in, in recent years. But that's not the problem. The problem is the USPS is poorly run and is losing a whole lot of money. We're talking about over almost almost a hundred billion dollars over a decade. That's that's real money. That's all just the taxpayer sending checks to the USPS. This is a system that has been failing for a long time. And I understand that Democrats love this for a number of reasons. One is they always will say things like we need we, we can't privatize. What about the post office? What about roads? Those are the two things which are mentioned in the Constitution, but are not, in fact, stated as sole obligations of the state. Liberals forget that there's not a constitutionally created post office. There's just the government can create a post office. And it did that. Maybe it doesn't need to anymore. or Maybe it needs to dramatically change it. Postal uh, overall mail volume hit its peak in 2006, 213 billion pieces of mail. As of last year, it was down 33%. If you're running a business, and remember, that's not pandemic times. That's last year. That's 2019 with a booming economy. If you're running a business during a booming economy and you're down 33% over the course of a decade, you're in trouble. You're going to have to dramatically restructure or else you may face bankruptcy right that's the reality of it and yet with the government they can always claim they need more taxpayer dollars with the government they can always claim that there is a next step a next phase for them oh that's right we the people write a check that's the that's what the that's what the democrats are demanding here but the post office has been failing for years now you know like the failing new york times no the post office really has been failing for years and all of this stuff, these conspiracies. Oh, DeJoy isn't up for this. Um, DeJoy, who is the postmaster general, they keep calling him a mega donor. Yeah, he's a donor to Trump. He also took a company, a trucking company from 10 employees in 1983 to 7000 employees. And he stayed on as the CEO of XPO Logistics when it bought his company, which is a supply chain business. So this is kind of like having a mini Jeff Bezos in a good way running the post office, which is a good idea. When was the last time you went to your post office box and looked inside and were like, oh, this is great. I got all this great stuff. 50% of what you get in your in your mailbox is marketing, which is a, a nice way of saying junk mail. That's why I always say environmentalists are unserious until they stop. Think of all the resources, wasted paper, wasted printing. They got to get rid of this junk mail for us. Then I'll listen to them on the recycling and all these other things they want. But well, we're, we're just just masses. I, I go to the post office. I mean, post office box that I have mostly to take things out of it to throw out so that they don't completely fill up my post office box, uh, you know, my mailbox, I should say. And then there's no room for the bills that I get bills and I get junk mail. That's it. Like once a year, I get a wedding invitation. Thanks, producer Mark. High five. That's it. And yet we're told that it's all because Trump wants to destroy it. It's, it's all Trump's fault. You see, once again, he's destroying the post office, even though it's funded already until 2021. What's their complaint? He doesn't want to give the post office twenty five billion dollars of bailout money for being poorly run for years. 
that somehow turns into Taylor Swift and various celebrities and Alyssa Milano and all these other all these other just complete airheads with big followings telling people, oh, the post office, he's destroying it. It's a plot. It's a if we don't shut this down right now, the post office mania will become the Russia gate of 2021. If God, God willing, Trump wins. You wait and see. I know that's so crazy that it sounds like I might be just pushing this a little. But think about it for a minute. What could be crazier than Russia? And they did that. You don't think that they'll say that Trump hobbled the post office on purpose? Of course they will. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I think folks in Montana understand that the Postal Service is a critical lifeline for our rural communities and folks who live in remote areas. And it's true, it's about voting, but it's also about folks being able to get their prescription drugs. It's about folks being able to get their parts and their packages on time in a timely manner. I mean, the Postal Service is is something that is is critical for rural America. And to watch this Postmaster General uh, destroy the Postal Service under Trump's direction and to watch Mitch McConnell do nothing to try to stop that. And by the way, or anybody in the Republican Senate caucus stop him other than just give lip service is disgusting. I'm going to tell you that if these guys have their way, uh, they will destroy the Postal Service. They'll do it because they don't want people to vote, which is bad enough. But in the process, it's going to hurt rural America in a big, big way and hurt rural states like Montana in a big, big way. Destroy the po- that's That's Senator John Tester. Republicans and Trump want to destroy the Postal Service. It's funded already until past the election. The slowdowns that have occurred have to do with COVID-19 and resources, right? That's been going on for well before this debate, this discussion even came up. There's even panic over uh, eliminating some mail sorting machines, which could also be used for ballots come election time. So they stopped doing that, even though that was just consolidation and efficiency because they're not using some of these things because there's not that much mail compared to what there used to be. It's all junk for the most part anyway, right? 50% of it is junk. They don't care. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. How can the Democrats be confident that there won't be massive fraud? I love how the media just assumes... That this is all it's a nefarious Republican plot. Meanwhile, we've done this on smaller scale where you have uh, mail in balloting. We did it in the New York congressional election. We've we've they there was a big study that came out about mail in ballots and voter fraud in New Jersey. Here's a uh, Senator Booker, former Democrat presidential candidate. I think he got more. I think he got more support than Kamala Harris. I can't remember now. Play clip four. Patterson, New Jersey, there were some problems with mail-in voting, and there are charges of mail fraud there. I know that voter fraud is infinitesimally small. Mail voter fraud is also very small also. But how do you convince Americans that that can be prevented on a larger scale? Well, thank you for stating the facts. It is infinitesimally small. And one of the reasons why mail-in balloting fraud is so easy to catch, as even Mitt Romney pointed out from Utah State that does it, is because there is a paper trail. You can compare signatures. It is very hard with all the information you have that it takes to go through voting by mail to pull off any kind of fraud. So 
uh, New Jersey's people tried to cheat and they were caught as often will happen when you try to do something like that. And so I'm very confident, number one, that this is rare. Number two, if people try it, it'll be caught. And number three, we have the evidence of states from Oregon and Washington to Utah and Colorado have been doing this for a very long time. Let's let's be very clear. There are states that have procedures in place to do this. They have been doing it. What we're talking about, what the Democrats want, is for everyone to just do it. Oh, okay, everybody, just get a get a mail in your ballot. Everybody gets to mail in their ballot, and that means they're going to have to send out ballots to everyone because they're not going to have polling centers open. Or if they're going to have polling centers open, there's still going to be millions and millions of people in states across the country that aren't prepared for this that are sending in their ballots. It's not even clear really what they want other than they want to demand vote by mail, and they've wanted this for a long time. Ballot harvesting is one of the major considerations or one of the major concerns. Where now you might have somebody who goes door to door because everyone theoretically, let's say everybody in your community, your neighborhood gets a ballot sent to them. You can walk around door to door and say, hey, have you voted yet? And say and somebody comes and says, oh, no, I haven't. Said, oh, well, don't worry. I'll, I'll take it and I'll give it to you. Just sign the bottom. Oh, and, I, and, and someone decides that they're going to check off the box or they're going to X out and check off a box. We're really going to think that in a presidential election and a national election, remember, Congress is also at stake here, as well as all the down ballot races that are going to be happening in places across the country. We're going to pretend that there are some super sleuths that are going to be comparing all the signatures. And this is a mess. It's going to be a disaster. It's obvious that it would be a disaster. But Democrats feel like even if there's a lot of fraud and nonsense, at the end of the day, if they have more votes, they got more votes, even if some of the votes cast were fraudulent. They'll claim victory. And if it doesn't work, as I've been saying, they'll say, oh, see, there was fraud in this election. I don't think they'll be able to pull off the Russia thing again. I don't think they'll be able to do that again. So they have to come up with something else. And that's what they're doing. And whether it's you know, Schumer, Pelosi, they're all focused in on this voter fraud thing. You know, one of the reasons why, you know, that the. Covid numbers are uh, turning clearly now has tur- have turned downwards in Arizona. Uh, the hospitalizations are down 30 to 40 percent from their peak a month ago in Florida. I mean, you're, you're starting to see this. Oh, but it's starting to go down. New York says that within the next week or two, they're going to open gyms. So their whole game of just keep everything locked down. Oh, my gosh, locked down as long as possible. They're still going to try that, but that's getting more complicated. They, they've got to throw other things in the mix, too, which is why you've got Schumer out there talking about how this is all Trump cheating and the cheating in the elections. Play 10. Donald Trump is aimed at hurting the elections. He wants he has said this man has no limits, unlimited goal. He says he wants to slow down the mail to hurt the elections and make people doubt the results of the election. Maybe he's worried he's going to lose. It doesn't matter. Our elections are sacred. And to do this is disgraceful. The postal system is well loved by America. 91% of America approves of the postal system. But it's now being 100% undermined by the Postmaster General, a political hack appointee of Donald Trump political hack appointee he calls him 
I told you that this is a guy who took a company from 10 employees to 7,000. That's a trucking and logistics company. I think he might know something about running a business where you're moving stuff from place to place. Has Chuck Schumer ever run a business that he took from 10 to 7,000 employees as CEO? No, has Chuck Schumer ever really run it? No, he's in the business of Chuck Schumer. Give him the donations, give him what he needs, and he'll tell you whatever you want to hear as a Democrat. Sounds a, 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 little, a little bit of a similar accent to Fauci, but fainter. So here we are with this big kerfuffle over mail-in balloting, mail-in voting, um, and it's because I think Democrats, one, need to set narratives in place where Trump cheated no matter what. They need, ever, they need their side to believe that Trump is going to cheat. That gets turnout going. And then they will claim he did cheat no matter what happens. Right? So he, he's, that's happening already, guaranteed. Who else is on this? Oh, Hansi, uh, Hansi Pelosi. Whoops. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said she is mulling bringing back lawmakers from their August break to address the Postal Service controversy. And the House Oversight and Reform Committee on Sunday demanded DeJoy and other USPS officials testify at an emergency hearing on August 24th. I mean, next Monday, folks, next week, Chuck Schumer has accused DeJoy of trying to undermine the USPS and call the hearings in the Senate and call for hearings in the Senate. Bottom line, we will not stand for the in-your-face slowing down of the mail and time undermining of Americans who depend on medications, paychecks, even food. will not allow this to happen. No way, Chuck Schumer says. Barack Obama says that there's no need for conspiratorial spin. Those in power are undermining the Postal Service in the run-up to an election that is going to be dependent on mailed-in ballots. That's all from the Wall Street Journal today. Uh, Friends, the Postal Service is already having service delays because we're in the middle of a pandemic. The Postal Service has been having delays even with far less mail because of what's happening throughout the country. What is going on that's affecting the rest of businesses? And there should be changes that are made just so it's sustainable. They should probably get rid of Saturday mail. Packages are one thing, but Saturday mail delivery, they should probably get rid of that. Maybe even another day during the week. They should scale some of this back. I go to my I go to my post office box, I'd say every two weeks, two to three times a month. I check in to take out all the junk mail, all the stuff about, you know, 20 percent off here, five percent off there. But it's never really stuff that you want to buy. I get rid of all that. That's what the post service postal service is that and like the IRS saying, you know, you owe us another hundred bucks or something. That's what the postal service provides for me. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. And they've been slow and they've been slowing down this past year well before there was any call for mail in balloting. The the downturn in turnaround on our mail and also the loss rates on our mail, all these things. The post office is a poorly run business. And DeJoy isn't even the guy that they're saying, oh, the postmaster general who's in Trump's pocket. He responds to a board of governors, not even Trump. So Trump isn't in a position to order him to do anything. And he was on a bipartisan committee that nominated him. He was unanimous. It was unanimous. The guy is perfectly qualified to do this job, but they're just attacking him because they attack anybody that is even a little bit associated with Trump. But I'm telling you the truth here. The post office is under stress and cannot handle the things that they want it to handle. And this has been the case for a long time. This has been the reality. 
You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I don't know of any evidence that voting by mail would increase uh, uh, voter fraud. Uh, it, my, my biggest concern, frankly, with regards to voting fraud uh, has been that there would be some kind of hacking of our voting electronic systems and that voting machines or tabulating equipment would be hacked uh, either by an American or hacked by a foreign entity. Uh, there have been efforts to do so in the past, but I would prefer us providing additional funds to states that uh, don't have uh, as effective voting systems as we do here in, in Utah for voting b- by mail. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I've heard some people say they think that the, the reason the president doesn't want people to vote by mail is that polls show that people who want to vote by mail tend to vote for president or vice president Biden. People who tend to want to vote in person tend to want to vote for President Trump. And so this is a political calculation. Mitt Romney doesn't know what the heck he's talking about, but that's never stopped him before, it seems. I, I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth between am I embarrassed that I voted for this guy in 2012 or can I at least give myself the solace of knowing that he was the least bad option? But it's still a little embarrassing. At least I didn't vote for Evan McMullen in the last election. I voted for Trump. Thank you. And was supporting him the entire time during uh, his nom- once he had gotten the nomination, unlike some other conservatives who have jumped on the train a bit later in the process. I also never called Trump an idiot on my radio show, which some people who are really big supporters of Trump, let's say, if you go back, you'll find out they call them an idiot, which I think is so interesting. An idiot. So with all of that, I will tell you this. Um, when Romney is making the claim that there's no or this is also uh, Booker. Other people have said this, that voter fraud is so, so rare. The Heritage Foundation had pulled together a sampling of election fraud cases from across the country. There are over 1,071 proven instances of voter fraud with 938 criminal convictions. That's what we know about with very lax controls. That's what we know about with very few things in place to prevent it. Uh, Why would we assume that it wouldn't be much more widespread? And keep in mind, they always say, why would anyone do this? Why would somebody who is a senior FBI official lie in a form to surveil Carter Page? Because he did it. Belief, ideological reasons. Who knows? I, I can't begin to get in the minds of everybody who wants to cheat the system, who wants to do whatever they can to help the left win or help the Democrats in their quest for control of all of us. But when you start to look at these cases, there are cases of fraud that are caught. And it's very it's a very small percentage of the actual fraud that occurs. As I've told you, think about uh, think about tax fraud. You don't hear about that many people getting prosecuted for tax fraud. How many people are cheating on their taxes? Huge number of people. Huge number of people. There is $80 billion a year, they estimate. Uh, now, this is for money, so I understand the incentive is very clear. $80 billion a year Medicare fraud. You think they're catching all the Medicare fraud? Pretty difficult to do unless someone what happens is it's so easy that somebody gets greedy and it becomes egregious. That's how people get caught. They start billing for millions of dollars that they don't uh, of treatments that they haven't actually given anybody. But that's what you end up seeing. Right. It's those are the ones you hear about with the fraud that's caught. It's usually because someone was really reckless and also tried to uh, uh, tip an election. Those are the ones you hear about in the media. 
ballot harvesting, all these games. I also believe that there should be there should be election protections and that there should be a process. And I think the process should be that you go and cast your ballot. I think there should be some civic duty here. Uh, you know, if they can tell us we have to sit on a jury, they can tell us you have to show up at the polling place and vote. And let me all say this. People that are claiming that they're so worried and it's unsafe. I'm going to talk to you more about this. I was down in North Carolina over the weekend, and there are whole parts of the country where people are living their lives and they're they're living pretty normally. It's in these blue places like New York City, where I currently am, that everyone has to live in a constant state of quaking fear. But they will go out and march. They will gather in crowds. Libs did this over the weekend. They will gather in crowds to protest having to vote in crowds. Once again, we see the coronavirus, COVID-19, the China virus, as Trump calls it, is making determinations, is distinguishing, according to Libs, between worthy causes and bad ones. And, and who gets infected and who doesn't relates to their politics. At least that's what you have to believe. If you uh, listen to the mainstream media on this, if you hear what their what their opinions are on all of it. Right. So the the fraud issue is very real. And we have to know that Democrats don't care. They always think that fraud will benefit them. And go back. I mean, LBJ stole election JFK uh, or I should say the Kennedy family known to have stolen elections. There's plenty of that. Plenty of that going on. And one other reason why they're focusing on this right now is that things are looking a little bit tighter for good old Joe Biden. Their weekend at Bernie's campaign isn't looking like it's going to be a walk in the park after all. There's a little bit of a morning in America feeling right now. We're, we're starting to get New York just announced gyms are opening. You know, there are places that are starting to say we're going to be all right. New York Times had a big piece on Actual herd immunity being much lower than what was initially thought. This is the New York Times, 10 to 20 percent. Some experts claim New York Times piece. Who's been telling you that for weeks? It's the only narrative that makes sense, friends. It's the only narrative. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But the Democrats have a big problem here because a country that isn't miserable, a country that isn't feeling like it has no future, isn't going to vote for the buffoonish Biden and Kamala Harris, who now they're they're feverishly rewriting the history of what they thought of her in January. The top liberal outlets were saying not an you know, uneven campaigner, not inspiring. Now it's great campaigner. Very inspiring. Oh, look at that. What a change. What a change. They're concerned because there's at least one poll now that shows Biden and Trump for registered voters within four. Within four as of. August, with the country going through all the challenges that it has, which is clearly going to favor the challenger over the incumbent, uh, that, that perception right now, within four, down from uh, 14 points pretty recently, there is a shift in perception right now. There are reasons for this, which we'll be discussing. Of course, the, the sense of getting out from under COVID, despite the Democrats' best efforts to keep us as locked down as possible, to make us as miserable for as long as possible, and then the very clear divide between lawlessness and order and decency and stability in society. The Democrats are openly, openly the, the party of the mob. They are the party of the rampaging hordes 
attacking your business, burning down your building, and showing up outside your home. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Democrats like the unrest in the streets. They're pretty open about it. They like to see their ideological opponents terrified. You see, uh, Democrats are generally a party of a party of um, people who are bitter at the world. Now, there are a lot of people who are elites, but they're trying to buy off the bitter by being Democrats. And, and they view this as a, as a form of virtue signaling and self-congratulation. But I'm talking about your your left wing Sarah Lawrence grad who's screaming at police because she's like, oh, my gosh, they're so racist. Yeah. They're angry about things. I would tell you that I think they're angry because they've been lied to and they've made a lot of bad life choices. Um, Feminism is a huge culprit when it comes to that, but a deeper conversation for another day. Um, But there's there's an anger, there's a, a, a rage at reality. And so they concoct, they distort reality into these narratives of what they think is happening or what they they believe is going on around them instead of what is actually going on around them. And that's where you have the lunacy that we currently see in Portland and in Seattle and in these places that how can you how can you even begin to line this up and and see what's happening here and not understand or or not not immediately feel like there is a double standard if you had Trump supporters These are all Biden Democrats in Portland and in Seattle. They are Democrat left wing voters. And if you had Trump supporters doing this, we would be told that this isn't this is civil war, that we are in the middle of a civil war right now. That's how crazy things would get. The media would be saying we're we're, you know, insurgency pulling apart at the seams. The Trump voters look what they're doing. And they would be calling for the deployment of under the Insurrection Act, of everything. And, it, and if there were a Democrat president, they would be sending in the dogs, so to speak. They would send them in after people. They would not give it a second thought. Instead, you have a, a not just the double standard and the quiet, but Democrats who are open about this. They'll say, yeah, go for it. Go terrify people in their homes. Think of a, a Democrat official who has had Republican, a Republican mob show up at their home in recent years. Were any Republicans showing up during the Obama administration in a mob? Did, did, the, did the Tea Party ever say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to find the private home address of Obama's you know, health and human services secretary. We're going to find Kathleen Sebelius. We're going to find, you know, name a cabinet uh, cabinet official that they had a problem with and we're going to go camp outside their home and scream uh, epithets and curse words at them and frighten them and frighten their family did that ever happen no no this is not an on both sides circumstance the left has lost it i really mean it they are having a collective nervous breakdown because of trump because this is a religion replacement for them. Their politics is not about applying the lessons of history and, uh, and clear and thought out policy preferences to order society for the best possible liberty, prosperity 
and freedom for all of us. That's not how they view politics as something to think through rationally. Politics is here. It's the heart. It's emotional. It's I'm angry. They're very, very angry about Trump. We know that. Very angry indeed. And so what do they do now? They call for any means, all means necessary. If it helps the Democrats, they're willing to do it. They do not make any distinction. They do not make any distinction between what their party finds ethical and what their party finds uh, useful. Right? If, if it is useful, the ethics don't matter. Right? If it is useful, if it serves their purpose, they'll do it. Here is member of the, uh, of the squad, Ayanna Presley, far left-wing member of Congress. And here she is saying, let's go find GOP officials with unrest in the streets. Play 15. I'm looking to the public. You know, this is as much about public outcry and organizing and mobilizing and applying pressure so that this GOP-led Senate and that these governors that continue to carry water for this administration, putting the American people in harm's way, um, turning a deaf ear to the needs of our families and our communities, hold them accountable. Well, make the phone call, send the email, show up. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. And unfortunately, there's plenty to go around. Unrest in the streets. Members of Congress calling for unrest in the streets. That's right. With the mob, openly with the mob. We live in the social media age. We have Zoom and Twitter and Facebook, and we have more means of communication and sharing our thoughts and opinions than ever before. What is it about the mob in the street? And why isn't it sufficient for Democrats to gather if they want to lawfully protest? There is no problem with that. If they want to stand somewhere in a big congregation, let's put aside the COVID thing for a second and how we all I've talked about that a million times. The double standard there. We know it's absurd, right? You can't go to your loved one's funeral, but they can gather because they want justice. They don't even know what justice is. But as that all happens, um, we see that it's not enough for them to be able to make a case publicly. They want to gather and march through the streets and shut down traffic and break the law. Why do they do that? Because it makes the people doing it feel powerful. And it makes the people who aren't a part of the movement feel scared. What the Democrats have resorted to are the tactics of mass intimidation through the, paramil uh, the paramilitary wing of the Democrat Party that is Antifa and the BLM movement and the rioters and the looting. This is intimidation. This is meant to make you think, don't speak out too much. Don't organize your own counter protest. Don't take to the streets yourself legally and lawfully. When I say take the streets, I mean gather in a public square. You know, the original public forum, gather in the, in the town square, hold up your placards, chant, speak, tell people what you think. That's great. That's America. Lying down on the street, blocking traffic, dragging drivers out of their vehicles and beating them senseless almost to death, which just happened in Portland over the weekend. Just this, this keeps happening. Oh, wait, I thought that the violence in Portland was the fault of the federal law enforcement officers who were there, because that's what the Democrats told me. Hold on a second. Were the Democrats lying? 
Yes. Yes, they, and the media went along with it. The media in America is the enemy of the people. Trump was right. I used to hold back and say that oh, they're the enemy of truth. No, they are the enemy of the people. They are hurting this country. They are actively inciting violence against their fellow citizens with their lies, with their misdirections, with their cover-ups. The media, the mainstream media, the Democrat-aligned media, which is 95% of it, is destroying this country. They don't care. They feel like their, their paychecks will still flow in and you know their side will be in charge when all said and done, when the dust clears, and they don't care. Andy No, who is one of the bravest journalists out on the scene today, he actually takes real risks as a journalist. Journalists always act like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm doing the real tough stuff. You know, I show up in the West Wing and ask like one prepared question and Trump says mean things. Ooh, you know, get that person the Medal of Honor. Andy No does does real uh, real reporting about Antifa, which is why they hate him. You'd think that other journalists would see the reporting and he doesn't say, wow, there's real interest in this. We should really we should really track more of this down. We should figure out what's going on with this Antifa group because the public wants to know and has a right to know. This is no, of course not. Why is the interest in what Antifa really does so limited? Because ultimately they know there'll be at least some association with the Democrat Party and it should be a 100 percent association with the Democrat Party. There are no Trump voting Antifa. Why is that? There are no MAGA hats pulling people out of cars, beating them senseless. No. We do our jobs. We protect our people, our families, our communities. We do our part. We're responsible. We're the reason that this country is being held together right now in the face of the left-wing mob. Every one of you, from the grocery store cashiers to the truckers to the small business owners to the doctors and lawyers and everybody, everybody who listens to the show who is doing their job and respecting our laws and acting as a person of principle, we're holding the country together. These Democrats are kicking at the load-bearing walls of our society, and they're laughing while they do it. They're gleeful while they do it. You'd think that they have such large platforms in the media. They should be able to call this out. They should be able to police their own ranks. If they were upset about this, the problem is they're not. The problem is there's really no outrage from Democrats about the excesses that we see, about the unrest in the streets. Andy No shared this with the, with the streets in downtown Portland occupied, occupied by BLM and Antifa rioters. A man crashed his car. The mob pulled him out and beat him senseless in front of the passenger. He's bleeding and unconscious. No police. And uh, do we, producer Mark, do we have, I, I, I don't know if we pulled this video or it's so just, it's just basically someone yelling horrible curses at him. And, um, you know, look, it's, it's awful. It's, it's a guy who's completely helpless, who's sitting down on the street and has a BLM Antifa protester screaming, uh, you know, racial epithets in his face. And then kicks him, and it, it's just horrible. It's just horrible. It's just horrible. All the bleeps. Yeah, no, we, we don't. It doesn't. You, you can watch it on your. I, I won't play it on the air here because you're just watching somebody get get viciously beaten. I'm going to tell you something. I, I've seen. I've been in situations. I, I've been in situations where there was physical violence. Uh, I've been threatened by strangers. I've 
I've carried weapons in defense of my country. I mean, you know, there's, you know, I, there's a an understanding that any person of honor has that if you're using force, you better be darn sure why and that you're right to do so. And beyond that, a person of honor does not attack someone who is defenseless and on the ground. You never do that. You know, no matter how much you dislike someone, I mean, when, when someone is no longer a threat to you, to, consider, to continue to bludgeon them with your fist and kick them in the ribs when they're on the ground, you know, in a street fight or whatever, if they're not a threat to you anymore, and that's very apparent in this video, not that this guy was ever a threat, by the way, this wasn't a fight, this was just a mob assault, but I'm just saying, to, to, to kick somebody when they're down on the ground is a real, it, it's, it's like when you see somebody that, that hits a dog. You know, that just that 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 strikes, uh, you know, an animal that's there just to be loyal and supportive and, you know, show love. I mean, you know, you know, I'm a huge dog person. If I see somebody hit a dog dead to me, dead to me. And I can't be quiet about it. I got into a fight a long time ago, uh, maybe 10 years ago. Now, I was on an island in the Caribbean and somebody was twirling a dog around by the leash, twirling, twirling it in the air, you know, swirling it around and throwing it in the ocean. And I, I, I had words. And he had some other people who came up and we were all we were all having some real words there. And I, I still stand behind that any day, any day. People who hurt people who are on the ground are defenseless are disgusting. It's a savage, barbaric thing to do. Why am I only seeing this video on social media? Why isn't this leading on CNN? A guy named uh, Tim Poole responded to Andy. No, on Twitter, he said, he said, my God. The guy being attacked was trying to protect a trans woman and another woman. So they chased his car till he crashed, pulled him out and beat him within an inch of his life, then robbed him. These are the BLM protesters, the Biden voters who are out there doing unrest in the streets. I wonder what Ayanna Presley thinks about this. Do you think she'll comment on this? Nope. She's a fraud and a coward. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. This vehicle swarming tactic that we keep seeing uh, from these BLM protesters in Antifa where they get around your car, they bash it, they bash your hood, they, they you know, hit your windows, they threaten to, to hurt you. Um, this is really ominous. This is really this is really threatening. And. Then when people try to drive away, the media goes, what are they doing? They're trying to kill the protesters. Uh, we need to have a conversation as a society where if you're blocking traffic and somebody accelerates because you have intentionally swarmed their vehicle and are threatening them, that is legal self-defense. We need to have that needs to be clarified and codified in law. Now, I know Democrats will fight this, but let's make them fight it. Let's make them say no. Your car is allowed to be mobbed in an active roadway. People can just just show up in front of your car and lock you in and and bash your vehicle, break parts of it, because you have to wait and see if they want to drag you out and beat you to death. You got to wait. That's what Democrats tell you. That's the Democrat position. If you take action to save yourself or your family, you can be in the car with your wife, your kids. You take that action. Democrats say, how dare you? How dare you? They're just peaceful protesters. Frauds, idiots, liars. So Democrats are. Here's uh, just blocks in New York City 
from where I live. Just just a quick a quick walk from where I'm currently doing this show. You had protesters go up to somebody outside of Penn Station, which is the main train station uh, here in Manhattan. And here's what they said. Here, here's how that went. Play one. Hands the f- back now. Now. What the f*** did I just say? Move the f*** back, bro. Move the f*** back. Well, now you want to be upset. Hey, man, man, man. What would you do if somebody did that to you in front of your family? You're in a car. How, how would you react to that? You're supposed to just take that abuse. Again, police nowhere inside, not doing anything. Who does this to strangers? What kind of mentally ill barbarian goes up to strangers and says all these things these are just people driving down the road the equivalent of somebody just walking down the street to you don't know what they're doing or what they're up to just the wrong place the wrong time this is why democrats are in trouble democrats are the party of criminality and the mob democrats are now firmly entrenched in this they can't get away from it don't think that they, they, they couldn't have made such a mistake with the mobilization that happened after George Floyd's death. They were just bursting with their need for activism and self-righteousness and sanctimoniousness. They just had all this virtue signaling they had to unleash, so they did. But now it's starting to blow back on them. People are seeing enough of this. There's a growing understanding that this is who the Democrat Party really is that they will threaten you if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and take the side of the mob. Take the side of the gathered, vicious crowd of morons because the people that are gathering for these BLM protests and these Antifa things are idiots. They will take their side over yours and you have to sit there and be terrified with your family and hope that you're not beaten to death. That's what Democrats want you to know. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. People are feeling less safe, particularly in major cities, particularly in New York City. They're feeling less safe. There's a lot of uh, statistics to back up that they should feel less safe, so this isn't just a perception issue. But this is what happens when you defund cops this is what happens when you say the police are the cause of society's problems instead of what the reality is which is that we are constantly asking police to do so much more than just enforce law and order cops are asked to be social workers cops are asked to be therapists to be friends to people who are lonely on the street or stuck at home you know to bring food to people if they're uh if they're stuck without any family to be able to help them out. I mean, cops, there's so much that we see cops doing that cops help out with all the time. But number one in the list of what we need our cops to do is to keep us safe on the streets for the perception among the criminal class to be there will be consequences when they break the law. And so they are less willing to break the law and that our cops will be backed up when they enforce it. That's essential. When you don't have that, you will have what we see right now, the unraveling 
right? The, the, the slow but steady collapse of Gotham. The hundreds of thousands of people fleeing the city. The enormous drop in uh, rental apartments in major cities like New York across the country. That's what you see happening. It's completely predictable. There's nothing about it that is surprising. In fact, we did predict it. I predicted it here on this show. What do Democrats offer up as their response to this? They blame Trump, of course, but that's a bit weak under the circumstances. We have some understanding that that's absurd, right? That blaming Trump, I mean, that can't really mean that that's, that's the best they can offer here. Um, but they do. They blame President Trump. They also go back to the usual Democrat talking points, like guns. Time to ban guns, or, and this, is, this takes me to Philadelphia, my uh, neighbor city to the south, Philadelphia, where they will tell people, you know what we need to do to make everyone safer? A voluntary gun turn-in program. That's going to stop the shootings by the gangbangers. That's going to prevent the spike in homicides from continuing on. Ask people politely to turn in their guns. I'm not making this up. This is real. They are, they are really doing this. Play two. Update on the story that I'm working on today. Today I'm talking about how city leaders are coming together with other community groups and the Philadelphia Police Department to combat gun violence. The city is seeing an increase in shootings. So city leaders are distributing this flyer, which reads, Save a Life, Turn in a Gun. If you safely turn in a gun, that can help get it out of the hands of the wrong people. We're going to have a lot more information coming up on Action News on some new locations that should be popping up soon where you Save a life, turn in a gun. It is so stupid that it is mind-blowing. Oh, that's right. The people that are using these guns to shoot innocents or to shoot fellow gangbangers, whatever, it doesn't matter. The people responsible for the violence. And it's a very, very, very small percentage of, of individuals in our society who, would, who use guns illegally to harm people, to kill people. Somehow it will stop them if there is a request from the city authorities to hand in guns. How, how much dumber can a policy be than this? Does anyone believe that the individuals who are out there who currently have illegal firearms and intend to use them for the harm of innocent people or to commit further crimes? Does anyone really believe that there is a single case in which someone may hand in their gun? Because the mayor asked politely. I, I can't think of a dumber policy than this. I, I can't think of something more absurd in, in recent days, at least, that Democrats have proposed as a solution to our, our criminal justice issues than this one. But this is what they do. This is what they offer up. It's, it's just stunning. Uh, you had Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. Same thing. If Trump wants to help enforce a, an assault rifle ban. If Trump wants to help, we need federal bans on more things. Oh, it turns out these federal bans the libs want so badly, and at a minimum as a deflection from their inability to protect their own residents and, and U.S. citizens, 
as a, at a minimum, that's what they're doing. But also their ideology tells them that the guns are the problem, that because there are guns, people die. As if there's no other element here of tens of millions of law-abiding Americans who are no threat to anyone who enjoy their constitutional rights and make us all safer in the process. You know what makes me safer when I'm in a community that allows firearms? That a home invasion crew has to think, maybe they've got a firearm inside that home. I don't know. Maybe we should go somewhere else. Even if I were somebody who didn't own a gun, but if my next door neighbors can be can own guns, right? Everyone is safer when lawful citizens own. The data shows this. John Lott's great book, More Guns, Less Crime. The data shows this very clearly. Concealed carry uh, in, a, in a high crime area brings violence down. And when we think this through, it's very straightforward. If you're a bad guy, and they're guys who are doing this, I know, I don't mean to be gender like uh, normative or gender prescriptive or whatever here, but it's, it's men who are doing the violent crimes. Uh, if you're a bad guy and you know that somebody has no chance, realistically no chance of being armed, you, you feel like it's open season. But if they might have a firearm, guess what? It could be a very different circumstance. But Lightfoot in, in Chicago calls for tougher gun restrictions. Uh, Philadelphia wants people to hand in guns. Oh, they say maybe somebody has a gun that's unsecured or that's just lying around. I don't know a lot of people that have loaded weapons that no one owns or and are just lying around the house who aren't criminals, right? who aren't bad people. You know, chances are if you're living in in West Philly and you've got an AK-47 and three Glocks all fully loaded under your bed, uh, you're, you're not somebody who's really just about enjoying your Second Amendment rights. I'm just putting it out there. Same thing in New York. Bans on guns in New York have been around for a long time. Yet the bad guys can get guns. We know that. And calling for bans like this runs afoul of the Constitution. The Ninth Circuit. This just came in over the weekend. A victory for the Second Amendment. The Ninth Circuit ends the ban on high-capacity magazines. Right? We know that a clip is not what you call it. A clip is a very specific form of uh, a very specific mechanism used to hold rounds and it actually clips into the gun uh, world war ii era rifles for example some of them had a clip uh you call it a magazine if you don't call it a magazine conservatives get very upset at you so high capacity magazine in california it was 10 and the problem here and this 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 is from the ninth circuit let's just be very clear on this so this is from the craziest liberal uh, judges out there but the the judge who wrote the opinion was like look this is in common usage. I mean, to say that a, that a magazine that's I mean, ten, or a 10 round magazine is, is standard. So you're going to make that illegal. There are millions and millions of these already in circulation. And this is an unconstitutional infringement upon the Second Amendment rights of the people of California. And they, they were willing to send people to prison for a year for this. That's what they were. That's what they were initially saying. They were going to send people to prison if you had an, a magazine that was was legal. So you were supposed to give them in. You're supposed to hand them over. Yeah, because again, the gangbangers, the bad people, the criminals, they don't care that you pass another law that says there are high-capacity magazines. But what it does mean is that they will have more 
enforcement of this against people who go to the shooting range and happen to have a 10 round magazine. Maybe they've got an undercover state trooper there. Oh, got to arrest you, sir. Got to protect us from gun violence. This is stupid. This is dumb. This is a dumb rule proposed by dumb people who don't know anything about guns, or at least they're dumb on the issue of guns. Believe it or not, years ago, I, I debated uh, Alan Dershowitz at CNN on guns. Uh, it was a rout. The guy that just doesn't know what he's talking about. There is a style. That's right. Alan Dershowitz, that guy. There is a, a lifestyle liberalism feeling that you don't have to know anything about guns, but you can still call for their confiscation or their bans. And you can say, you know, I don't want anybody to have a, a bazooka machine shark pistol. It's really dangerous. And when someone says, well, that's not a thing. And, you know, I don't think we're really worried about chainsaw bayonets. And it doesn't matter. Guns kill people. Guns are bad. That's all they say. That's all they say. My friends, the problem in our cities uh, across the country is not our problem is not that we don't have enough rules and restrictions. If anything, the problem is that law abiding people don't get to have guns. And when you see in Philadelphia the authorities very clearly thinking, oh, there's more gun violence. Let's give uh, let's put out a public announcement that we want, because remember, it's a suggestion now. It could become mandatory later. We want people to hand in their firearms. That's going to bring the violence down. No, we should have more people. My entire community is safer. I'm not saying they're safe, right? No one's perfect. Nothing's perfect. And I'm not going to be all I'm not Batman. I'm not all the places all the time. But I do have great hair like Bruce Wayne. My general vicinity, my community is safer if I have a firearm and New York City prevents me from having that. Doesn't allow me. That's wrong. That's an infringement upon my con. And don't tell me, oh, go through the process and the five hundred dollars and all that. No, 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 no. Onerous restrictions on a right are the same thing as canceling a right in practice. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Now, many times people say that a union like ours, law enforcement groups give endorsements. Not in the New York City PBA, sir. In the New York City PBA, Mr. President, you earned the endorsement and you've earned this endorsement. I'm proud to give it. Endorsing President Trump, the largest police, uh, largest police department in the country's union, the PBA, uh, Patrolman's Benevolent Association, uh, they have endorsed President Trump. How, how could any law enforcement officer not endorse Trump at this point? If you're going to endorse, I understand some don't want to. Well, you're going to go with the the obvious anti-cop hysterics of the Democrats. It's absurd, right? It's 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 outrageous. Actually, it's even worse. It's even worse than absurd. Uh, they undermine. They they destroy. They harm society with this stuff. Oh, but it gets their base. It gets the Democrat base very happy, very excited about things. So they're willing to go forward with it. People like Kamala Harris, a, a lifestyle liberal. Very. Uh, admired and liked by the press, by the elites, by you know Silicon Valley, Wall Street, Hollywood. Yeah, they think Kamala Harris is great. They stylistically, culturally identify with her. They they like her. They like her. Nobody else, the Democrat, and I'm talking about Democrats now. No other Democrats even like her, but the lifestyle liberals all get very excited about her. Well, she's uh, 
got a she's got a, a way of thinking about BLM that we should all we should all hear. Everybody should know that she supports this Black Lives Matter movement that, as we have just been speaking about, right? We've been talking about it here on this show a lot. Will attack people, pull them out of vehicles, burn down businesses, and has made nothing better. Nothing has improved because of this. Play clip seven. Because remember, this was long before the, the beauty and the power of Black Lives Matter, um, where, you know, and I give full credit to what has happened with and, and, and because of Black Lives Matter, which is it has been a counterforce to the to the very deep rooted force of the status quo within the system that that is reluctant to change, if, if not hostile to change. The status quo. A contrarian force to the status quo. That's fascinating to put it that way. This is a movement that is treated with with real, you know, to anybody who's observing, there's a lot of condescension about the BLM movement because we, we are told to have no real expectations of decorum and decency and law abiding behavior from the BLM movement. We're just supposed to accept whatever it is they do. Don't expect any more. That's what these elites are telling you. That's what they're saying. And to pretend that it's a it's a counter a countercultural force, a counterforce the status quo. Um, let's my friends, let's be very clear. This is a, a movement that is getting funding from you know, the biggest corporations in the world. This is a movement that was able to make demands of corporate America, of the most mainstream, powerful, wealthy, influential institutions in our society. And everyone goes, oh, whatever you want, whatever you want. And it's it's a counterforce of the status quo. No, no. BLM is just another another weapon that the left uses in its arsenal of control efforts. That's what this is. BLM is just as another tactic of the left's desire to control. And as part of that control, to do a rebalancing of society, to have the cultural Marxism that its very founders tell us is a part of their belief system. It is their belief system. Oh, but... That's that's what they want us to think now. There's no 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 connection there whatsoever. Oh, it's just it's just about police violence. How often do you really see stories about this horrific? How long has it been since we had horrific police violence that we're all supposed to be outraged about? It's been a while, hasn't it? A lot of stuff going on all across the country. And yet law enforcement, as we know from how they're dealing with things. And I would say, look, I think in Portland and in Seattle, they probably aren't using force enough that probably they are not using force enough. They're not. They're holding back too much. Federal law enforcement was willing to do what was necessary, which is why the Democrats were so upset at them. Because if the experiment is run where the proper application, the force escalation of law enforcement is conducted in such a way that the protests, the riots, I don't call them protests, Buck, the riots end, then we know that the problem the real problem is that there's a lack of political backing for our law enforcement to do their jobs. And that leads to very, very disastrous outcomes uh, that leads to the increasing sense of lawlessness on the streets that we that we're all aware of now. And the destruction of the American city, which has now become a defining characteristic of Democrats in 2020. 
Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. We got one. Kind of sounds like in Ghostbusters. She's like, we got one. She hits the buzzer. We got one. That was Annie Potts' finest work. Uh, FBI, ex-FBI lawyer Kevin Kleinsmith is, is going to plead guilty. He's got a hearing come up. Going to plead guilty in the Russia collusion probe. Now, liberals, Democrats are doing everything they can, everything they got here. He's in every, every trick in the book trying to come up with a way that they don't have to admit that the everything that the conservative argument has been uh, saying here for the last, going on four years now, has been true, and everything that they said was bull. There was no Russia collusion. There was no plot to steal the election involving the Trump campaign. And all that stuff about how, oh, it was totally legitimate. The FISA applications were fine. The FBI is so professional. James Comey's a superstar. He's hilarious. I love James Comey. All that crap. Lie. It's all a lie. And the conservatives who have been saying this was spying, and uh, all credit due to A.G. Barr on this for coming out and saying it as attorney general, that they were spying on the Trump campaign. Yes. Yes, they were. Let's not let them lie about this. Let's not let them mislead on this anymore. There was Obama administration spying on the Trump campaign. That happened. That is a fact. And people broke the law. They broke the law at the top reaches of the federal government for that end. That is now also a fact. Look at how the Democrats... And the libs and the deep state made a huge deal. Oh, General Flynn pleaded guilty. General Flynn's a criminal. There must be all this other criminality around that. It was all smoke and mirrors, my friends. They completely ambushed Flynn. They set him up. Lies, lies, and more lies. They set up General Flynn. But they used that. They used, oh, we got him. There must be other stuff. Now we have this ex-FBI lawyer, Kevin Kleinsmith, who's pleading guilty as part of the Durham investigation. Now, some of you are saying, Buck, you told me. Now, this is okay. Now, now we do uh, accounting for this, right? Now we do a full, full assessment of where we currently stand and my prediction. I told you that no big fish, no names you knew would get uh, criminally charged in the Durham probe. And I said that maybe, if you go back, you listen, I said maybe some smaller, lower-level people will get a process crime or something. Unfortunately, this is that. This is not earth-shattering. This is not, you know, James Comey getting frog-marched uh, out of his house or something like that in handcuffs. No, this is a, a senior FBI lawyer, but still a government functionary, who lied in order to get FISA going on Carter Page. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you lie on a FISA application? It was very straightforward, too. Uh, Klein Smith claimed that Page was not a source for the CIA when the CIA had actually told the Bureau on multiple occasions that Page was, in fact, an operational contact for them. This isn't a minor detail. 
Libs will try to tell you that this is a minor detail. Libs will uh, try to claim that this is just, oh, it was a like a good faith error. No, he's being charged because this is not a good faith error. This was stacking the deck to get an illegal warrant. When you lie for a warrant, the warrant is not legal. Right? If, if I could have done this so many times when I was working at the NYPD Intelligence Division, I could have said, oh, I've got, an, I've got a, a confidential informant who's telling me that somebody's stockpiling explosives in their garage. And I filled out a whole report on my make-believe confidential informant, and then we busted in someone's garage because I didn't like that person. Or I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. I'm going go to I'm gonna go to jail for that, and I should, right, if I did that. It's so easy to do. That's what was done here. By lying about Page's contact with uh, the CIA, it made, it made it possible to believe. It would be impossible to believe that Page is working with and helping the CIA track actual Russian agents. But Carter Page himself, some people in the FBI think, might be a Russian agent for the Trump, working with the Trump campaign to steal the election. It doesn't make any sense, right? So to avoid... The obvious conclusion of it doesn't make any sense. This guy lied and he will now have a felony criminal conviction under 18 U.S.C. 1001 for false statements, according to the latest reporting on this one. So there is there is a development here. This is progress. This is uh, showing us that at least there's seriousness in this Durham probe. What's really going to happen? And so I still think my prediction is probably going to be correct. I don't think you're going to see any of the big name people in all of this get even charged, never mind go to prison. But there was a deep state. There was a deep state effort to destroy the Trump presidency that involved senior people in the FBI breaking the law to take him down. Not just abusing power. That's all over Russia collusion. That's all over this stuff. But going beyond the abuse of power into the criminal, the criminal weaponization of law enforcement and surveillance authority for political purposes. So I'm also very much hoping, but I don't I don't think it will happen. But I am hoping that we may find out. We may find out in time that. Uh, who, who the leaker was of the Flynn conversation. That was a senior person. Whoever leaked the Flynn conversation to Ignatius, which was necessary to get this whole thing going, right? These were all very deliberate. That was a, that was a felony criminal leak of top secret information. And that person is a criminal and should be punished to the fullest extent of the law. That person is also, like this Kleinsmith guy, a senior figure in the in the deep state effort against Trump, whoever it was. Only certain people would have had access to that information and motive. And that's a very important part of this as well. You have to keep in mind that these are people who took actions. This guy, Kleinsmith, took an action that has destroyed his career and will adversely affect the rest of his life. I mean, I don't think he probably will get, a, if anything, a very short jail sentence. I mean, he's, you know, life isn't over for this guy. But... This is going to hurt. You're a lawyer and you were you had to plead to a felony to go after the Trump administration. Now, I've told you this before. The left, they take care of their own. This guy is going to end up with some consulting gig or you watch Klein Smith after pleading to a felony. Give it 
six to 12 months. And he'll if you, if you track him down, you'll find out he's got some really nice, well-paid gig somewhere with a big Obama Biden donor. Right. Someone someone within that Democrat sphere is going to hook this guy up. We on the conservative side, you know, we're not good at this. We don't t- we don't take care of our soldiers. We don't take care of the people in our ideological fight. We're like, oh, yeah, go. Come on. It's just a free market. It's just a free market. And that's not that simple, actually. It's not just the free market. So that's one part of this. Another part of this is that Klein Smith, uh, Klein Smith shows you the mentality, the severity uh, of Trump derangement syndrome, even at very senior levels within the United States uh, bureaucracy. That somebody, this guy's a lawyer at the FBI, and he hated Trump so much that he was desperate to get this Carter Page FISA going. Otherwise, why do it? We saw the text messages with Strzok and Page. Oh, we'll prevent this. Don't worry, baby. I got this covered. You know, give me that back rub again. Oh, please don't let Trump be president. Oh, no, baby. I'm a big, tough FBI guy. My name's Peter Strzok. I kind of talk like this for no reason. I don't know why, but I have never served on any... No, no, he did. We saw it in the text messages. Both cheating on their spouses and cheating on their spouses in the office, too. It is, it's really gross. Yeah, I don't do too much of the getting into the personal stuff of these public figures, but it's really gross. <sighs> but we see the mentality. We see what they're willing to do. Um, the media lied to you. CNN, the New York Post. I'm oh, sorry. Pardon me. Not the New York Post. The Washington Post. The... Uh, New York Times, they lied to you and lied to you and lied to you again about Russia collusion. And now we're just beginning to see what accountability for all of that looks like. We're just beginning to see the final narrative, the final narrative of the truth coming out in a way that I think is necessary for us as a country to be able to even think about moving forward and, and talk about reform. How do you stop this from happening again? Does anybody really believe that Democrats would be unwilling to run the same playbook? They're not, they're not ashamed of this. They're just sorry it didn't work. They're not sad that some people, Comey and Brennan and Clapper and Page and Strzok and go down the list and McCabe. Some of these people broke the law to go after Trump. They're not sad. They're not bothered by it. The only thing in Russiagate that bothers Libs is that it didn't really work. It was useful, but it was not ultimately successful. So if you're really understanding the way the left-wing mentality works and what we should expect going forward, we should all know that they will, if we allow it, if we do not stand on guard against it, they will try this again. They'll do the exact same thing the next time around. Only better. Now they will have learned, they'll have used this as a test run. Just conjure some crazy narrative, get the left wing base all fired up about some insanity, have the mainstream media just act like the propaganda shills they are. See if they can take down a Republican president. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. What is it like down in North Carolina these days, my friends? I was down there. I love North Carolina. I, Producer Mark, I know you're a Florida guy, but it is worth you visiting at some point because I've heard really good things about uh, the, some of the coastal Carolina towns. 
I was down in Craven County, uh, which is where New Bern, which is the former colonial uh, colonial capital of North Carolina, is located. It's a river town, really, really, really cool little town. Lovely people had a great time. But I traveled. I flew on airplanes. I was on four different flights because that's how the t- tough it was to get down there. Four different flights to get down there. And there's what I saw with regard to the covid uh, measures that people are taking. And then there's also what I'm being told now that I'm back in New York. Well, let me just get into this. So I'm on the I'm on the uh, I'm looking at the situation, in the airport. Here's what really strikes me. So you're walking around in the airport. So you're passing each other. Now, airports are indoors, obviously a lot of space. There's a LaGuardia here in New York, which is a, a third world crap hole of an airport. But, you know, I'm at LaGuardia and I'm walking around and I see that they're, they're, everyone's wearing masks. OK, everybody's got a mask on. You can't be in the airport without a mask. But then when you go to the restaurant areas where people will wait or you go to the Starbucks or whatever, you sit down in the, in the lounge or in the, you know, the food court. Everyone's masks are down because they're eating and they're drinking. And, you know, they're taking their time. So you wear a mask when you're walking past people. But you don't really wear a mask when you're sitting for 20 or 30 minutes to eat. And you're in close quarters. And you're all breathing in the same air. So the mask comes down for that. Like for instance, see, this is why all this stuff about wear a mask is also crazy. In a lot of places. Not all the time. Not everywhere. But the wear a mask mania that's out there is absurd because... We're not really wearing masks, even when we're supposed to wear masks all the time. We're not doing that. So there's still going to be and you and to eliminate any human contact of any kind is to have society cease functioning. You got to get groceries. You got because you got essential workers. There's things that has to happen. This is why this is all this is all pipe dream. This is all absurd that we're we're crushing the virus with our actions. That's why I'm also so annoyed that you have the New Jersey governor, Phil Murphy, here saying that we need an outdoor mask, man. Play 12. Now, you have mandated uh, that in your state, people must wear masks if they're outside and can't socially distance at least six feet apart. Do you think governors, all governors across the country should issue that kind of mandate? I do, Chris. I I think the science and the data, the facts are unequivocal. Uh, It used to be up until, in fact, a few weeks ago that the science said by doing so, you're protecting others. The the science now says it works both ways. And I think if we had a national, as we've called for now for many weeks, if not months, a national masking uh, policy, I think we could accelerate dramatically driving this virus into the ground. It's been a big weapon for us in New Jersey, but as a nation, we're only as strong as is our weakest link to have a national strategy, I think, would be a game changer. Where is this science that he talks about that says that we got to wear masks outdoors? I, I just can, can they share the, the study with me where that exists? I'm looking for this stuff all the time, every day. I haven't seen that outdoor mask wearing. Really? Where, where he says the science. This is a term libs love to use the science. Where does the science actually indicate that? Just wondering. Okay, so you walk, as I was saying, you you go around to the airport and um, people are also all crowded together at the gates, you know, and loading a plane takes. And then you get on the plane and everyone's in close quarters in the plane. There's no middle seat empty or whatever. The planes were packed. I was on four planes packed with people. Okay, big planes. So people are flying. People are in close quarters. 
We're all wearing masks all the time until we're not. And then we're all just sitting around each other without masks on. And they, they think that that's what's no. What, what is I'm telling you what is happening here. The virus spreads in a community. Some people are more susceptible to getting infected than others. Some people are more susceptible to a serious disease than others from it. And then when it when it has gone through, you reach a level where there's some degree of herd immunity, and then it's much harder for it to spread at a, at a very, very rapid rate. That's what's happening. New York Times even publishing a story on this. Okay, this is what's... But they don't want, they don't want to admit that because you know what that would mean? All this lunacy about the, the, the seriousness of these lockdowns and the months and months and months of can't do this, can't do that, or, and wear a mask all the time. Like, that's going to stop this. It's, it's absurd. It's so... Uh, it, it has been not just ineffective. I mean, I, I would argue it has been counterproductive. Peter Hitchens, who's the brother of the great uh, Christopher Hitchens, tweeted out yesterday, if you have at any time wondered if you would have conformed or rebelled against the consensus at any of the great turning points of the last century and a bit, I think you now know. Yeah, I think we do. I think... Many people in our own society, including those who are more on the right, people on the left are used to just believing what they're told by the experts to believe and think that they're really smart and think that they're really, you know, they, they have, they're emotionally invested in this belief that because they, you know, voted for Obama and will vote for Biden and think that celebrities have important political analysis, they're emotionally invested in that belief means that they're intelligent. And so when you challenge that, they feel very undermined and angry and go on offense. When you're like, that doesn't mean anything. In fact, a lot of their ideas are really stupid. They react not by explaining why that's wrong. They react with outrage. So that's one other thing to keep in mind going forward for sure. Uh, but uh, North Carolina was such a breath of fresh air because people were, once I got there, breathing fresh air, walking around. Living their lives. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I get back from North Carolina where I'm surrounded by uh, kind, well mannered, friendly people who are, I'd say, 75% not wearing masks indoors and Almost none of them wearing masks. I mean, very, I should maybe, I don't know, 20% I saw wearing masks outdoors in the open air, but very, very few. And I went out, I went out on the river, I checked stuff out. I was visiting a friend of mine down there. We grew up together here in New York, and he's, we've been friends for over 30 years. He grew up like me in Manhattan. He went into the Marine Corps, I went into the CIA. So, you know, there are, there are plenty of people from NYC who still want to serve and do what they can for the country. Uh, so... I saw all these people living life and I thought, interesting, because North Carolina actually has far more COVID cases right now. It's considered a high risk state compared to New York. So North Carolina is in worse shape with COVID cases, but people were just living their lives. And there were elderly people that I saw who were very, you know, I mean, there were some some elbow touches here and there and you know maybe keeping a little bit of distance. But the stuff that you would do, they were doing the things that you would do during flu season. Or if you knew there was a bad cold circulating in a community, they were taking the, they weren't doing the lock yourself in a room and never come out. They weren't doing that. And they're okay. Society is going on. It's all right. 
It's fascinating to see. Then I come back to New York and I'm filling out all this paperwork on my mandatory. I'm in a 14 day mandatory quarantine now. So I'm filling out all my paperwork on my mandatory 14 day quarantine. And I'm just thinking, how, how are they going to? I mean, look, I, I'm going to stay away from people and I'm going to be responsible. And I obviously don't want to put anybody at risk. And but my, my life in New York is basically a quarantine anyway. Right. So it's just the French bulldog, the snow princess. And occasionally I see my family. I'm going to give some space with my family now because I want to make sure they're safe. But I don't think the Frenchie is going to get I don't think can dogs get it. Do we ever get a final? I don't know if we do we ever find out about that. I don't think there's definitive proof, proof yeah, either way one or the other. But well, Tallulah, she's she's hardy. She'll be fine. So I'm thinking to myself, they're calling it a mandatory 14 day quarantine. But how exactly are they going to do this? Like, how is there going to be a quarantine for 14 days enforced? And the answer is they can't. The answer is it's really just a suggestion. So then why are they pretending like it's mandatory? It's weird. Uh, I just got a call today, a robocall, giving me like two minutes of a lecture for how I need to social distance and keep people safe and all this stuff. And I just wanted to turn around and respond. What are we uh, what are we really accomplishing with all this? I mean, if it's a public uh, public announcement, public service announcement, fine. But pretending it's a 14 day quarantine, they can't enforce that. And they say you can only go out for essential things. So if I'm out doing whatever I'm doing, all I have to say is, oh, well, I'm getting groceries. You know, they, can't, they don't know. Look, again, I will. I'm going to be responsible about it. And I was in a state where there's COVID and I understand all that. I'm going to get a test later this week. Oh, that's the other fun thing. You call them. You call a testing center. They say it's uh, they're backlogged now because of all the, the resource constraints. And so you're looking at seven to 10 days to get your results. So you can either get tested and quarantine or wait two weeks for your test results after quarantining. Seems like not a great option, right? That's where you are. And, and there are fancier concierge medicine places and things like that. I think some hospitals with their outpatient situation, I, I may try to find one of those because I'm not waiting 10 days. I'm going to. I need two days to find out if I've happened to have gotten COVID. And also, I want to say, I've been telling all of you, I think people should live their lives. And all. Yeah, I was just on four airplanes, out meeting people, out to dinner, you know, all, all out in society and doing all this stuff. I'm ready. I'm doing it. Okay, I'm already doing it. I'm not, one of the things you used to hear from all these blue check libs, it's, well, you're just telling people to go out while, like, you're just staying. No, I, I'm open the stuff. Open it up. Open it up. I'm living my life as much as I can and would live it even more. And I told you, even if, if I if I in three days have like a really sore throat and a fever and I have to miss a day or two of the show or something, it turns out I've got COVID. Well, not does not change my view on any of this one bit. I'm, I'm practicing what I preach with all this. Uh, but it's fascinating. I come into New York City. I'm getting these robocalls now, filling out this paperwork, this information and the whole thing. It's just it's absurd. It's absurd. Why even go through this pretense that they're really going to be able to uh, monitor this at all and say they're going to be these huge. I think they'll find you up to ten thousand dollars. It's it's just the whole thing is bonkers. The whole thing is just nuts. Now they said they're going to open gyms in New York. Um, we should have opened gyms two months ago in this city. It's not wear a mask that has saved us all as much as Cuomo wants to pretend that's the case. That's not true. It's not you're doing a good job. You're listening to Cuomo. And so you'll be able to have some of your life back. Not all of your life. 
but some of your life. Some of your life. Remember, there's the politics this, and there's also the fighting against that realization that I was telling you that they've put us through hell. And what if the science really does tell us in the end, and I believe that it will, that they put us, they put us through hell. I mean, we were going to get hit with this virus, people were going to die, and it was going to be terrible. That was happening. So I'm, I'm not in any way uh, minimizing any of that. Or, you know, th- this was a bad virus, really dangerous to senior citizens. This thing has been bad news, no question. Okay, so we've established that. But we did all this other stuff. We did all these lockdowns and all of this, uh, all the, the misery and the, the destruction of businesses and the loss of uh, economic activity, the loss of freedom, the trampling on our constitutional rights. We've been through all that. That was all self-imposed. That was all decisions by people on top of the pandemic, people in charge. And now, as I've been saying, we, we look like we're heading toward herd immunity. We're just doing it with the maximum amount of pain, disruption, destruction, stupidity and fecklessness from our political class that's going to be the end result of all this they can never allow us to come to a real firm consensus on that though because who's ever going to listen to these morons ever again you know who's going to want to believe this this would be like you know the way it felt at the cia after the wmd debacle where everyone's like well yeah you guys the ones that got that thing so wrong good luck good luck convincing people afterwards so that's why I think it's interesting that Dr. Fauci is out there and he's, he's taking a shot at uh, good old Tucker Carlson, play 16. Well, I'm not concerned that what he says, it's a little bit. I mean, I think you could say that when he does that, that triggers some of the craziness in society to start threatening me, actually threatening me, which actually happens. I mean, who would have thought when I was in medical school doing things to save people's lives that I have to be going around with a security detail? I mean, that's really ridiculous. Yeah, but you're a political figure now, dude. And people in politics and people in the media, they get threats all the time. Welcome to the club. Fauci doesn't like it that there are people out there criticizing him. So, of course, he, liberals do this. All, Fauci's a liberal. Liberals do this all the time. Oh, but don't criticize me. I get death threats. Death threats are horrible. They're illegal. People who make them should be put in prison. End of story. End of story. No matter, no matter who they're threatening. Right? End of story. But... This is a this is a distraction from really digging into what has Fauci been telling us and, and how's he been right? And I'm they will there will be a, a cover up of epic proportions with this. Was the mask mandate necessary? Was social distancing effective as it was practiced? Were the lockdowns saving lives or actually costing lives? The, the medical establishment in America and the political establishment will unite with the media, all three of them, to make sure that we never get clear answers to those questions. doesn't matter that we're going to face this issue again in the future. They don't care. They want to make sure that there's no accountability in the event that they were wrong with that stuff. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Liberty, truth, and great hair. Feel those funky beats. It's time for Roll Call. Roll Call, everybody. Let's get to it. First off, producer Mark. 
Was everything okay while I was gone? Did you get Did you get a big case of the sads? Well, everything was great. Uh, we were on time. Finished early. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, nobody get, yelled at me. It was don't great. Don't get used to it. Don't get used to it. All right. I know. Mike's is Mike Slater. Is he's the nicest. He is the nicest person in radio. He is, like, he is like Slater of Nazareth or something. He's like a really nice dude. It's amazing. Anyway, and he really and he really is that nice. Like he's not, he's that nice all yeah, the time. Yeah, it's not just on air. He's genuinely no, nice he's off the air. Legitimately, yeah. that he's he's a really nice guy. It's funny. People say that people in some of the people in media. Uh, they're like, oh, he's so nice. I'm like, that guy's not nice at all, actually. <laughs> that guy's terrible. Like, that's true a lot of the time. With Mike Slater, he is every bit as nice as any of you listening to think he is. So I appreciate Mike. Plus, he's a very smart guy and very good radio host, but I, I just, I'm always struck by, like, what a decent and uh, and just friendly and solid solid dude he is. Um, but, yeah, producer Mark, if you if you want to move to uh, rural North Carolina, you can actually have your life back, believe it or not. Oh, who knew? I know North Carolina is very nice. I've been there a bunch of times. Really? I even have friends there, yeah. Have you been to Wilmington? That's where I, I was I have. told if I had to go, that's where that's where I should live. Well, I I used to uh, call Hofstra basketball games and travel with the team. So uh, UNCW, UNC Wilmington is one of their big rivals. So I have how's, been down how's there. Wilmington? Pretty Wilmington's nice. nice. They have a nice campus there. I didn't get to explore as much as I would have liked because I was on a business trip, really. But it's a, a nice area. Well, I, I didn't pay attention that I was gone. Anything new on the football, the sports thing? Just would tell the fans, tell the folks. Uh, some college football teams want to play, some don't. It's a mishmash right now. I know Canada canceled their football league. Does well, anyone care? Is that a thing? The CFL, yeah, yeah no. It's like, hey, look, Canada cancels hockey. It's DEFCON 1. They oh, canceled. absolutely. They canceled their football. It's like, come on. I didn't even know that they did that. I, no I didn't know they did I knew there was like arena football. I don't oh, know. no, I know the CFL exists. I just didn't know they canceled it. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Yeah. Apparently they've canceled, so. There's that. Um, let's get to it now. Donald, Buck, you're going down the same path as that of Hillary Clinton and voters thinking that Trump's win in 2020 will be a cake cakewalk. Buck, it's not going to be a cakewalk for Trump because of the extraordinary circumstances, the coronavirus pandemic and the ongoing nationwide protests and riots. If the Trump campaign and Trump voters let down their guard, we'll be waking up to a Biden-Harris administration on November 4th. Donald, I really appreciate you writing in and listening, but I'm quite certain that i have never thought i, I think i've said a, a hundred times in the show this is going to be a very tight election and i'm worried <laughs> okay i don't think i've ever said it's going to be producer mark have i ever said implied it's going to be a cakewalk i don't think so not not since the pandemic hit no i don't think yeah. you have no yeah see even producer mark has to admit it and he trusts me if i gave him the opportunity to throw me under the bus with all of you listening he would he would do it and laugh oh yeah so, it's my favorite sport it's his it's his favorite thing so he has to be honest i have not said it's a cakewalk but I understand, Donald, you're worried, too. You want to make sure everybody's fired up and on edge. And, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's going to be a tight it's going to be a tight election. I'm very confident uh, about that. And it's just because of the Democrat look at the states that are in play. There's not that many states. There are a maximum of what, maybe 10. But it's really six states that determine what's going to happen here. And it's going to be. Less than a million votes probably spread out between all those states determining who wins, maybe. So you're talking about 1% of the U.S. population really getting to decide. You know, their final determination will determine, uh, will decide who will be the president of the United States, in essence. So you got to remember it. David, Buck, I live in Richmond. I couldn't remember Tim McCain was Hillary's VP pick. Crazy! He started his political career on Richmond City Council, the most useless group of representatives you'll ever sit down with. 
You know, David, I visited Richmond for the first time a couple of years ago. It's a it's a really nice little town. Bruce and Mark, you ever been there? I have not, no. It's actually a great, great lot of history, really good food. It, uh, beautiful buildings, you know, in the in the downtown. And I, I, gotta, I really liked Richmond. I, I was a big fan. I thought it was a cool place. I had a great time visiting uh, visiting a friend down there. We'll add it to the list for the tour. Yeah, exactly. When we, when we do the Buck Never Stops tour, ooh, that's what we should call it. That, that's a good one. I'll give you yeah, that. That is. Thank you. Thank you. See, I'm, 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 on, I'm on my game today. When we do the Buck Never Stops tour, that has to happen. Eileen, hello, Rockstar Patriot. Love you so much, my friend. I listen to you every night on Conservative Talk Radio. You are in the slot in my area where another host used to reside. You are amazing and much better. I am only on Facebook as far as social media. I follow you on the regular and love to see you on Fox News uh, of late. Keep up the great work, Buck. Few and far between. Thank you so much. Um, yes, Eileen, I am much better than that host that we won't name that you're referring to, but I think we both know who it is. So thank you so much for... Uh, Having the good sense and good taste to recognize that. <sighs> I think it's out on the West Coast. Let me give you that tip. Sarah. Hey, Buck. Love the show. I often listen to you on my iHeartRadio app. Recently here in Eastern Washington, we've been getting iHeartRadio advertisements for Western Washington. Yesterday, I heard an ad from the waterfront area of Seattle basically begging people to come back and shop at the Pike Street Market and visit the aquarium and come see how fabulous Seattle is. I wonder how long it'll take for the mayor to realize that homeless camps, heroin needles, poop on the streets, and a gutted police force is not a winning scenario. Why would anyone want to go to Seattle as a, tori- as a tourist? Seriously, this is not rocket science. Well, Sarah, I'll tell you, I've always wanted to go to Seattle. Bruce and Mark, you been? We're doing the Bruce and Mark Where Have You Been Day today on the show. Have you been? I have not, but I've heard great things. People tell me great food and beautiful as a city. So I, I've always wanted to go. I liked Portland when I visited. I just know that it's insane and run by crazy libs now. But I went over 10 years ago. Portland's a great weekend town to visit. And I've always wanted to go to Seattle. Um, I was not a fan of uh, the San Francisco downtown vibe when I was there. But if San Francisco had different people running it, it would. it's, it's an incredible physical place to have a city. I mean, the actual location is is amazing uh too many hills what's up too many hills and yeah a lot of a lot of hills a lot of hills but very beautiful and i always think of i always just think of full house and i only need like a cool three million to buy that house that that guy was living in he was a local tv host living in a three million dollar house producer mark what's up with that i mean tv shows aren't supposed to make sense especially stupid sitcoms like that probably true Probably true. I just want to say probably. 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 Um, so let's see. Next up here. Sarah. Hey, Buck. Love the show. Oh, no. She, we just did that one. Jason. Hey, Buck. Mr. Daily Wisdom on Friday. But Mike Slater did a great job filling in. Now to the point. I've been somewhat perplexed by stories in the news about Trump using the post office to sabotage mail-in voting and steal the election. On the other hand, Democrats want $25 billion to bail out the USPS. As a mail carrier and a strong supporter of the president, I hope he's not purposely sabotaging the USPS. I would like to know your thoughts on the matter. Shields High. Jason, I hope you got them today on the show because I gave you my thoughts on the matter. Thank you for doing what you do, man. We just want a reformed, lean, mean post office, but we do want people bringing the mail. So thank you for keeping up and being an essential worker. That's it for today, team. God bless and Shields High.